You know, a couple weeks ago, I decided to ask ChatGPT to write a Christian worship song. And it wrote quite a long song with several verses and a chorus and a bridge. And so I'm going to read part of it to you tonight, acknowledging that it feels a little unusual and perhaps a little eerie. But anyways, I'm going to read part of it, and here it goes. We come before you, God, with humble hearts. In awe of your majesty, we lift our praise. We thank you for your love, so pure and true, for all the blessings you bestow on us each day. This is the chorus. Jesus, you're the King of Kings. We worship you with all our being, your sacrifice on the cross, so great. We give you all our love and praise. Verse 2. We stand in your presence, grateful and blessed. For your grace and mercy that never ends, we raise our hands and voices in adoration. To you, our Savior and friend, the bridge. You've washed away our sins and made us new again. We give you all our trust and hope. You know, so something feels a little bit wrong to me, you know, as I'm reading that. Because as I'm reading that song, I actually feel like I'm starting to worship God, you know, with gratitude for all that he's done in my life. And then I remember that it was written by AI, and it feels a little unsettling to me. In this message today, we're going to explore what does it mean to worship God? Is worshiping God a bunch of words that are arranged into verses, a bridge, and a chorus, you know, like I just read? Or does worshiping God also involve our hearts and our entire beings, and how does it affect our everyday lives? We're in a sermon series right now which is called Encounters with Jesus. For the past number of weeks, we've been looking at people in scripture to see how they met Christ, how they encountered him, and how they were changed by that. And we're also exploring how we are changed as well as we encounter Christ. Today we're going to be looking at a portion of scripture where there are two people who have an encounter with Christ. One of them has all the right words, and he's very well respected in his community. The other person may not have all the right words to say, and she was not respected in her community. And it might be surprising to us to see which one, which of these two really authentically worshiped Jesus, and which one of them were changed by that. And so I encourage you tonight, as we go through this text and as we explore for a few minutes together, which person do you most identify with today? I'm going to read from Luke chapter 7, starting at verse 36. If you like, you can open up your Bibles if you have them. There's some in the pews, or you could open up your phone app if you like. Luke chapter 7, verse 36. When one of the Pharisees invited Jesus to have dinner with him, he went to the Pharisee's house and reclined at the, at the table. A woman in that town who lived a sinful life learned that Jesus was eating at the Pharisee's house. So she came there with an alabaster jar of perfume, and she stood behind him at his feet weeping. She began to wet his feet with her tears. Then she wiped them with her hair, kissed them, and poured perfume on them. Let's take a moment to pray together. 
Living God, we are thankful for your love for us. We are thankful for this opportunity to worship you. We're thankful for your spirit and these words in scripture and this community. We pray, God, that you'd open our eyes to see how great you are. Open our ears to hear your voice speaking to each one of us tonight. And open our hearts to you and your ways. We pray in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. So in this text, we saw that Jesus was invited into the home of a Pharisee. In those days in that culture, Pharisees were usually very wealthy people. They were usually well-respected in the community, and they were considered to be experts in God's laws, as we see in the Old Testament part of the Bible. However, Jesus often publicly criticized the Pharisees, and so it might be that this particular Pharisee was a little curious about Jesus, or maybe a little open just to getting to know him a little bit, and that's why he invited him over for dinner. In that culture, it would be the usual thing to take off sandals at someone's door before entering the house. The meal that night was likely served on a very low table, much lower than ours, and there wouldn't be chairs around the table. People would recline around the table while sharing a meal together. Many times people would lay on the left-hand side, maybe with some cushions, and then their feet would extend backwards. There were likely only men at this table. In those days, it was customary for a host of a special meal like this to leave the doors of his home open so that even if people were not invited to that meal, they could still enter his home and then they were welcome to sit along the edges of the room, like along the walls. They were welcome to listen to the conversations and after the meal, they could ask for leftovers if they wanted to do that. The woman in this text is is described as living a sinful life. Now, based on the word choice in the original language and based on the context, it's likely that she was a sex trade worker. And it was unheard of at that time for a sex trade worker to enter a Pharisee's home for a special meal and then to directly approach one of his guests and start to wash his feet with her tears. The word that is used to describe her tears in the original language is the same word that is used to describe rain showers. She may have been weeping that night from a very deep part of her soul. And there might even be people here tonight who relate to this idea of tears like rain showers even today. And if that's you, I hope that you'll come and talk to me or another pastor or someone else in this community uh, for some prayer and support and friendship in this journey. Then this woman, if it wasn't already enough, she decided to let her hair down so that she could dry Jesus' feet after she washed them with her tears. This was also socially unacceptable. Usually, women in that culture only let down their hair in the company of their husband. It was considered to be something intimate. And when she poured perfume onto his feet, it was actually a very um, expensive perfume. And in Mark 14, in a parallel passage there, it says that it was worth more than a year's wages. So this whole situation was awkward. 
and uncomfortable and unusual. And yet, we see this woman worshiping Christ with authenticity and generosity as well. In this message today, we're going to look at three movements. First, we'll consider how worship is more than words and rules. Second, we'll look at how it involves the heart and includes the heart. And third, we'll look at how it leads to transformation. So first of all, how is worship more than words and rules? We saw the woman worshiping Christ very extravagantly just a moment ago. But the Pharisee actually was acting very differently. So let's read the next few verses in Luke chapter 7. You're welcome to open your Bibles if you like. When the Pharisee who had invited Jesus saw this, you know, that is when he saw the woman washing his feet with his, her tears, he said to him, himself, if this man were a prophet, he would know who is touching him and what kind of woman she is, that she's a sinner. Jesus answered him, Simon, I have something to tell you. Tell me, teacher, he said. Two people owed money to a certain money lender. One owed him 500 denarii and the other 50. Neither of them had the money to pay him back, so he forgave the debts of both. Now which of them will love him more? Simon replied, well, I suppose the one who had the bigger debt forgiven. And you have judged correctly, Jesus said. Then he turned to the woman and said to Simon, do you see this woman? I came into your house. You did not give me water for my feet, but she wet my feet with her tears and wiped them with her hair. You did not give me a kiss, but this woman, from the time I entered, has not stopped kissing my feet. You did not put oil on my head, but she has poured perfume on my feet. Most Bible scholars agree that it would have been the usual thing for Simon to have one of his servants wash Jesus' feet as he entered. But Simon did not extend Jesus that courtesy. It also would have been the normative thing for Simon to kiss Jesus on the face when he entered, but he didn't do that either. It seems that Simon was showing some rudeness towards Christ that day, such a contrast to what the woman was doing. Simon, as a Pharisee, would have been someone as well who was really good at using words. He was an expert in explaining and teaching God's laws. And even like we read just a minute ago, he interpreted the parable correctly when, he, when Jesus asked him. Jesus said, you judged correctly. Simon was good with words. Also as a Pharisee, Simon would be good at following rules. Pharisees were known for rule following and even establishing some rules. Pharisees were known for taking God's law in the Old Testament part of the Bible and then establishing a set of rules that they thought would help people stay true to Scripture. So he knew how to follow the rules according to the Jewish interpretation of the time. But even though he knew the right words, even though he could follow the rules, this did not lead him to authentically worshiping Jesus that day. When I was uh, growing up, my parents took me to church almost every Sunday, and I'm very grateful for that. 
I remember that community of people as being very loving and kind and genuine. I have very fond memories. When I was in high school, I started going to a youth group that was closer to my home. And this particular youth group had an idea that having faith in Christ was really about a lot of rules. They had so many rules. I'll just give you a few examples. One rule that they had established and lifted up was that um, Christ followers should not listen to most contemporary secular music. Another rule was that Christians as teenagers should not dance with people of the opposite sex. They thought that it was really important to uh, really be careful about which movies you see and what books you read, and they thought that Christ, Christ followers should never drink any amount of alcohol. And there were other rules as well. There was all these rules. And so I found myself, when I was in this youth group, as part of this culture, I found myself trying to follow all these rules for a couple of years. But I did not find that this drew me closer to Christ at all. Didn't do that. And in fact, I had the opposite experience. Instead of being drawn to worship Christ and drawn closer to him, I actually turned away from God for a while. And I rebelled. And I went so far as to call myself an atheist for a season. And that season of rebellion was not life-giving, and it, was, it did not lead to flourishing. And so in my experience as well, rule following does not lead to a person worshiping Christ, at least didn't lead to me worshiping Christ with my whole heart. Let's consider our second movement today. What can we learn from this portion of scripture about worshiping Christ with our whole heart? I believe that Jesus speaks into this in the parable that he shared with Simon that day. Remember, we just read about this parable where there were two people that owed a certain moneylender some money. It said that one person owed 500 denarii and the other owed 50. Most Bible scholars think that this, if we translated it into Canadian dollars today, it would be like one person owed 83,000 and the other 8,300. But something that's different um, in that culture as compared to ours is that when people owed money and if they couldn't pay the debt, they would go to prison. And so in this parable, both people were going to prison because they both were unable to pay their debt. It doesn't seem to me though that Simon seems to realize that he has a debt that he can't pay. He doesn't seem to realize that he's on the path to prison. He doesn't seem to recognize his indebtedness to God, that he needs forgiveness, just like we all do. And this is so different from the woman. She was so aware of her indebtedness to God, also so aware of how he generously forgave her, and this drew her heart to express gratitude and worship towards him. I wonder which of these two people you most identify with today. Do you feel a little bit like the woman today who's really close to Christ, worshiping him authentically and receiving forgiveness, filled with gratitude? Or today, do you maybe feel a little bit more like Simon, where you feel a distance to Christ, maybe focusing a lot on words and rules 
you know, a little bit like something I did when I was a teenager. I believe that this woman's understanding of her indebtedness to God and the forgiveness of her sins is what led her to wholeheartedly worship him that day. And this is what we're looking forward to today as well on this first Sunday of Holy Week. Today is Palm Sunday, like Pastor Jeff mentioned. The day that we remember how Jesus rode on a colt into the city of Jerusalem a short while before he was crucified. And while he was riding this colt, people were waving palm branches. You maybe saw some when you walked in and there's someone near the cross here. People were waving these palm branches and saying, Hosanna, and they were praising Jesus. But Jesus knew that when he was on the road to Jerusalem at that time, he knew that he was headed to the cross. He knew that the crowd was really fickle. And even though they were saying Hosanna that day, that a few days later, they would be saying, crucify him. Even though Jesus knew this, he still went to the cross on our behalf, absorbing our sin and shame and paving a way for our sins to be forgiven. All of us are in debt to God in some way, the scriptures tell us. None of us are perfect. We all make mistakes. We all need forgiveness. And once we recognize this and receive God's forgiveness, it leads to heartfelt worship and gratitude towards God. As we encounter Christ and receive his forgiveness, it also leads to transformation. This woman who uh, went into Simon's house that night must have encountered Jesus at some other point in time previously. She must have somehow encountered Christ and felt that he saw her and accepted her and loved her. And that's what motivated her to go into Simon's house and to wash his feet with her tears. Remember that the woman poured perfume on his feet. The woman was likely wearing a flask of perfume around her neck, like a necklace. It would have been her most valuable possession, financially speaking. And wearing a flask of perfume around her neck was a tool of the trade for sex workers at the time. It was part of the allure, a part of the, tra part of the tra attraction. And so when she poured the perfume and emptied the flask on Jesus' feet, she was honoring him and worshiping him. But she was also indicating transformation. She was also saying that she was going to change her lifestyle and she wasn't going to need the flask of perfume anymore. As she encountered Christ, she was changed. I know someone in our community who also, in his encounter with Christ, has been changed significantly. And I think some of you here know him. His name is Carlos. Uh, he's given me permission to share his story. Carlos was living in Vancouver a number of years ago with his wife and children. He thought that he was happily married. He was working a lot of hours to provide for his family in this expensive city. But his wife wasn't feeling happily married and they ended up going through a painful divorce. 
And in that process, Carlos lost everything his home, his family, and he spiraled downwards in this devastation. And he turned to drugs to numb his pain and became very addicted to heroin. He found uh, himself in the downtown east side uh, a lot of the time and he just couldn't ever overcome his addiction. Carlos met some Christ followers when he was in the downtown east side and these people befriended him they journeyed together with him. They didn't judge him. They shared food with him and friendship and companionship. And in that process with those other people, Carlos encountered Christ for himself. And he was changed. And he told me the other day that he's been 12 years drug-free now. And Carlos is one of our most dedicated volunteers here at Tent at Oasis Cafe. If you haven't heard of Oasis Cafe, it's our meal ministry here on Mondays and Tuesdays. It's a hot meal offered downstairs. And many of the people who join in for this meal have fallen on hard times. And Carlos is there volunteering. And Carlos also volunteers almost every week on Sunday morning helping with communion. In his encounter with Christ, he has been changed significantly. I know someone else who's also um, been changed through his encounter with Christ, and his name is Rick, and he's also given me permission to share his story. Rick is a friend of mine, and he is a successful business person. He's owned a company for about 25 years. It's a manufacturing company, and he employs about 30 people. A few years ago, though, his business took a downturn, and he found that he wasn't able to pay his bills, wasn't able to pay his suppliers. And it didn't take long for these suppliers to realize that Rick just couldn't pay the bills. And so what they did is they just wrote off the bills. They just gave up and decided that, okay, Rick's not able to pay them, forgot about them, wrote them off. And they decided that he, they wouldn't take him to court because they didn't think that would be worth it. But then, through hard work and by God's grace, uh, a couple years later, Rick's business began to flourish again and he started to make money. And what Rick did is he went back to each of the suppliers that he had been unable to pay in the past, and he went and paid off those debts. And few business people will do this, it seems to me. And when Rick was paying off these bills, these suppliers said to him, you know, why are you paying me back? Because we had given up, we'd written it off. And, Christ, and Rick told them that the reason why he was paying off these debts was because he was a Christ follower and it was the right thing to do. And so in his encounters with Christ as well, he's experienced significant change in his life. I wonder if you've ever heard of or ever read this beautiful prayer that is found in one of the Protestant catechisms. It says, beautiful Savior, what can I offer you for the lavish gift of your loving sacrifice? I joyfully offer you my life, my worship, my treasure, my time, and a willing delight to do every kind of good. Jesus is this beautiful Savior who sacrifices life on the cross on our behalf out of love for us. And as we receive his forgiveness, we can joyfully worship him and offer him our time, our money, our treasure, 
and we can aim to do every kind of good, like we see Carlos doing and like we see Rick doing as well. As we encounter Christ, we can be changed in the way that we live our lives, and we can also uh, be changed in our experiences and how we feel sometimes. At the end of Luke chapter 7, this is what Jesus said to the woman. He said to her, your sins are forgiven. He said, your faith has saved you. Go in peace. Jesus blesses her with his experience of peace and peace with God and others around her. And this is also the same blessing that he extends to us. And we all have a flask of perfume around our necks, in a sense. And we can decide what we're going to do with this flask of perfume. Carlos pours perfume on Jesus' feet as he worships him, as he serves at Oasis Cafe, as he volunteers on Sunday mornings here. And Rick pours perfume on Jesus' feet as he worships him and as he runs his business ethically and with integrity. What would it mean for you to pour perfume on Jesus' feet today? What would it mean for you to pour perfume on his feet with your time, with your finances, with your friends and family, at school? or at work. You know, worshiping Christ is more than words, right? As we saw with a song written by ChatGPT. It includes your heart. It includes your entire being. And as Christ followers, you might find that sometimes you have days where you're more like the woman, where you're close to Christ, worshiping him and being filled with his peace. And you might have other days where you're more like Simon, you know, maybe feeling a little distant to Christ, maybe focusing more on words and rules rather than focusing on your relationship with Christ himself. I wonder if you feel drawn to Christ today. I wonder if you would love to encounter Christ for the first time or yet again. Let's approach Christ together tonight as a community in prayer. And let's kneel at his feet. I invite you to join me in prayer. While we pray, if you like, you're welcome to close your eyes. Also, while we pray, you're also welcome to put your arms on your lap with your palms up. This could be a sign that you really desire to encounter Christ for the first time or yet again. Let's pray. Living God, we are so grateful for you here with us. We're so thankful for your love. We pray, God, that you'd help each one of us here to encounter you for the first time or yet again. And this might feel differently for some. We might feel it all of a sudden that we feel a sense of your presence with us. But it could also be gradual. 
And we trust, God, that you will answer our prayers for this encounter with you. We thank you, Lord Jesus, for paving a way for our sins to be forgiven. We pray, God, that you'd um, help each one of us to be transformed more into your likeness. Show us how to worship you with our whole hearts. Show each one of us here what it means to pour perfume on your feet. We pray all of this in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen.